Remain standing, please. Let's read the scripture together. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, and they yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Look toward your neighbor and say, it's time to remove the weeds from the garden. Look at the neighbor on the other side and tell them it's time to remove the weeds from the garden. Be seated, please. I once had a plant in my backyard. That plant produced beautiful, fragrant blooms. Over time, it developed into a fair-sized plant, which I came to value and came to appreciate. I believe it was a gardenia plant. One day as I was out looking at my gardenia plant, I noticed a small sprout, which appeared just above the soil, about one foot away from my beautiful gardenia plant. Even though I know very little about plants, I could tell that this new sprout that had sprung up near my gardenia plant was an undesirable sprout. In one minute, I could have removed it with two fingers of my hand and stopped it from ever growing again. One thrust of a shovel or a hoe could have uprooted this undesirable plant and I could have carried it away in two fingers. But not long before I realized, because I did not remove it immediately, that I had a full-fledged weed on my hands. A weed is an unwanted plant that competes with cultivated plants for space, for light, for water, and for the nutrients that are in the soil. A weed is a plant that is sometimes poisonous, unsightly, or otherwise obnoxious to man. And weeds don't need to be deliberately planted. You don't have to plant a weed. 
You don't have to cultivate a weed. You don't have to fertilize a weed. Weeds are excessively vigorous in their growth. That's when we wish to articulate our amazement at the rapid growth of a young boy or a young girl. We say he or she is growing like a weed. Weeds tend to overgrow and choke out more desirable plants. And weeds are of no known use or benefit. That's difficult why I did not immediately remove that little sprout when it first lifted its little head above the ground. It seems so small. It seems so harmless. And though its growth was rapid, when I looked at it, it seemed to be standing still. I couldn't see it growing. Thus, it's very easy to put off dealing with weeds. Very easy to delay eliminating weeds. I was so busy. I was so involved in so many things. I felt that I could deal with it in a matter of time at any time. But before I realized it, that little sprout had grown into a bush of some magnitude. Some of its stalks were as much as an inch thick. Each stalk had sharp thorns protruding from it. It had entangled itself in my beautiful gardenia plant and it was overpowering my gardenia plant and would have soon killed my plant. So finally I decided to take action. I gathered a conglomeration of garden tools, put on my yard work clothes and I went out and went to work. I cut branch after branch after branch of that weed until I had removed all of them. It was so difficult to do that without harming my gardenia plant. Sometimes when you let something that's bad get too far along, you have to hurt something that's good just to get rid of it. When weeds get to a certain point, it's hard to remove them without harming good plants. After dealing with the branches, I had to dig down and go after the root of the weed. I'm sure it took me almost two hours to do a job that would have taken only a minute in the past. When I finished, I tied up all the branches of the weed and I had two large bundles of branches. I'd been pierced by many thorns trying to remove that weed. I was tired and dirty and disgusted at myself for allowing a situation to develop to the point that I allowed it to develop. I could close my book and go back to my office and sit down and let each of you preach this message to yourself.
Let each of you meditate on this story. And after you thought about it for a while, you could preach a version of my sermon to yourself. Can I get a witness? There are weed-like traits, weed-like factors, weed-like influences, yes, and even weed-like people. who are threatening your survival, threatening your growth, threatening your existence, mm -hmm. threatening your salvation. And just as a life of wholesome plants is dependent on escaping <clears throat> from the effect of weeds, so is a good life dependent on escaping from the impact of weed-like elements. Can I say that again? Just as the growth and the life of wholesome plants is dependent on escaping from the effect of weeds, so is the good life dependent on escaping from the impact of weed-like elements in our environment. Lord, help me preach today. In the text, the thorns sprung up and destroyed the good crop that had been planted. The seed was the word of God. The ground was the heart of man. And when the seed of the word was planted in the heart, something else was in the heart that grew up also and choked out the life of that good thing that was within the heart. Choked out the growth of God's word, choked out the growth of God's life. Some people are being destroyed every day by weed-like traits. They look all right on the inside, seem to have everything together, but something is holding them back. Something is dragging them down. Weed traits. Weed characteristics, weed factors are those things that crowd out Christ from our lives. They're those evil inclinations that overpower the good that is within us. Habits, hang-ups, evil inclinations that overpower the good. And weeds must be eradicated from the vicinity of a good plant if that plant is to grow and if that plant is to thrive because weeds dissipate the nutrients that are in the soil. Weeds disrupt the normal functioning of the root system of beautiful plants. Weeds attach themselves to good plants and pull them down, drag them down. Weeds restrict the growth and the spread of a good plant, and weeds always outgrow good plants. They can deprive good plants of the light of the sun. They rep reproduce rapidly, and they grow rapidly, and they inhibit the fruit-producing, bloom-producing capacities of good plants. Paul talks about this same thing spiritually in Galatians 5 and 22, and he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the qualities that are good. These are the qualities that are fragrant. These are the qualities that are fruitful that ought to be produced in our lives. And if these qualities are not being produced, it's long since time to check out whether there might be some weeds in the vicinity. <clears throat> I said, if these things are not growing and not being produced, check for weeds. Look at your neighbor and say, check for weeds. Then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul talks about some weed-like traits that inhibit the growth of good things in our lives. Can I preach today? Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, lewdness, aggressive immorality, idolatry, anything that takes God's place, witchcraft, magic, evil spirits, spells, charms, astrological pursuits, readers, fortune tellers, witchcraft. Y'all still going to let me preach? The list goes on. Hatred, ill will, the tendency to hold grudges, variance, dissension, discord, disputes, always fighting about something, emulations, being envious, jealous, striving to surpass and outdo, wrath, rage, or fierce anger, determined, lasting anger, strife, contention, seditions, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, revelings, rowdy parties with drunkenness and obscene music and sinful pursuits, revelings. And Jesus said, the word of God says, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, he that receiveth seed among thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Let me say that again. Jesus said, Matthew 13, 22, he that receives seed among thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Hmm. The cares of the world, the concerns and the pursuits of this world must be kept in perspective. Physical desires, earthly pleasures, human pursuits, professional ambitions, social relationships are all cares and concerns of this life. They are not necessarily wrong, but God must be first. God has to be number one. I don't care what you're involved in. I don't care what you have to do. Make God first. And not only must God be first, God must be glorified. If God cannot be glorified in your relationships, in your life, in your pursuits, then you need to turn away from those so that something that glorifies God can take their place. And thirdly, God's will must be done. If you're to be involved in 
the pursuits of the world. At the same time, you've got to make sure that God's will guides your words, your actions, and your relationship. If not, the cares of this world will destroy your spirit. Hallelujah. Three words you need to remember. It's a result of growth of weed-like traits that are within. You need to think about this as you begin to deal with and struggle with the power and the influence that weed-like traits will try to impose on your life. Number one is the judgment of God. Judgment. That's the first word you need to think of. Everybody say judgment. God judges wrong. God judges evil. And the Bible says, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember, judgment. Remember number two, consequences. Say consequences. Wrong actions always bring wrong consequences. Evil actions bring evil consequences. And so remember judgment and remember consequences and remember the word incapacity. There are some things that incapacitate you. The weeds grabbing on to my beautiful plant incapacitated it and would have destroyed it. And when evil and wickedness and sin comes into our life, it incapacitates us and makes it difficult for us to pursue joy, peace, and fulfillment. And then the love of riches. 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is a root from which all evil springs, not money, the love of money. And some in their reaching out after it have been sadly led astray and have been transfixed with many pains. The desire for money is a thirst that will never be satisfied. Nobody ever gets enough. I have not read in the newspaper where anybody who had billions or even trillions of dollars said, I I I'm not going to make any more. I'm through. I don't want any more. It it you never get satisfied. It's always something that drives you. You never get enough. And then money, number two, cannot buy security. Hallelujah. Get money. Get millions. Set them aside. But you're still not secure. Somebody can walk up and blow your brains out. A disease can implant itself deep within you and begin to grow and develop and take your life away. No matter how much money you have, money cannot buy security. And the love of money will make you selfish. And nobody wants to be around a selfish person. The love of money produces anxiety. You're worried about getting it. You're worried about keeping it if you love it. And if you love money enough, you'll do anything to get it. You'll do wrong to get it. Can result in pride. Can result in envy. Can result in worldliness. Can result in ungodliness. And it can result, as I've said before, in insecurity if you love it. Money is not evil. But it must be kept in its place and not in God's place. In our hearts. Not an end, not an objective, but money is a tool that we use to accomplish godly and good objectives. Are y'all still awake? As long as a weed lives, a weed will grow. Weeds must not be ignored. Weeds will not just go away. 
I said, they won't just go away. And any plant that's under attack by weeds is going to need some outside help. Oh, y'all ought to clap your hands on that one. I've come by to let you know you cannot fight this battle of life by yourself. You need some outside help. Does anybody in here know they need outside help? Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, I need some outside help. The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not do, that I do. When I would do good, evil is present with me. I see a law warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity. Oh, wretched man that I am, I need outside help. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then Paul got some outside help because he said in Romans 7, 25, I thank God. God through Jesus Christ our Lord and he said in Romans 8 and 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit hallelujah Paul said when I got in touch with Jesus when Jesus came in I, I was lifted from condemnation and from guilt and Jesus came in and gave me help if you are in Christ there's no condemnation. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Oh, my good plant was being destroyed. My good plant was being drugged down to nothing. My good plant was going to die. But I gave my plant some outside help. And somebody here today is going through a tough time. And you don't understand the nature of it. You're going through agony, pain, guilt is overwhelming you. And you don't really understand what's going on. But spiritual weeds have attached themselves to your life. And you need the help of Jesus Christ before you can be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every once in a while I take a flight. I got on an airplane Friday, went all the way to Carolina. Flew for five hours there and then had to come back the next day, six hours. The jet stream flies in that direction, so I had to fly against the jet stream. But listen, if I had been on my own, if I'd not had outside help, I could never have made it. But what I did was went down to LAX and finally got on the plane and fastened my seatbelt. And the plane did the rest. The plane began to ascend higher and higher, 30, 35,000 feet in the air, picked up speed. I dropped off to sleep, as I usually do when I get on the airplane. But because I was in the airplane, I was able to reach my objective effectively. And child of God, you're not going to be able to make it in this thing called life until you position yourself in Christ and rely upon him to get you to your destination. You gotta position yourself in and believe that he is the son of God, born of a virgin, born by the very spirit of God, born in righteousness, born in holiness, born to redeem those of us that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Not only was he born, he was crucified on a cross. He died for our sins. 
He died for your sins. His blood was shed on your behalf. And because he died for you, you can live, you can have life more abundantly. But then also he was resurrected from the dead. Jesus not only died for us, but on the third day morning, he got up from the grave with all power in the palm of his hand. Oh, hallelujah. You need to understand that Jesus, our Savior, did not have to come all the way from heaven down. Jesus, our Savior, did not have to walk on this rugged earth of ours. Jesus did not have to be crucified on a cross, but he did it because he loved us. And he did it because he knew we needed outside help. If you need outside help, Jesus is your Savior. If you need outside help, Jesus arose from the dead. He broke the bondage of sin and of Satan and of his death. And he said, I'm alive forevermore. And if Jesus could deal with death, he can deal with anything that may come against you, that may come upon you. And so, child of God, you need outside help with everything that comes against you. Position yourself in Christ Jesus. Position yourself in loving him, in following him, in obeying him, in doing his will. If you position yourself in him, he'll bring you over. He'll bring you out. He'll bring you through. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Praise him because he's a savior. Praise him because he's the son of God. Praise him because he won't leave us in our predicament. He won't leave us in our fix. He will bring us out by his power. Oh, yes, he will. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. If any man be in Christ, he is free. I said he's free indeed. And then Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. You don't have to be destroyed. You don't have to be drugged down. You don't have to be devastated. Jesus can set you free. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, Jesus can set you free. Does anybody know? Hallelujah. What I'm talking about. He's able. He's able. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. Jesus can overpower every enemy. Jesus can destroy every destructive element that might come against you. He overcame death. And if he can overcome death, he can help you to overcome every challenge and every problem. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. 
watching over him on the next day he was probably going to be put to death but during that night the church got together and started praying for Peter I've just come to tell you today that somebody's been praying for you somebody's been holding on that God would bring you up and bring you over somebody's been praying that the spirit of the Lord would bring deliverance and liberty into your life. And while the saints were praying, God sent an angel over to the jailhouse to check on Brother Peter. The angel came in and said, Simon Peter, stand up. Simon Peter was in chains. He was bound. He was locked behind prison doors. Guards were standing over him to keep him in bondage. Hallelujah. And Simon Peter might well have said, why should I stand up? The doors are locked. The prisoners, uh, the, the guards are around me. Chains are on my wrist and chains are on my feet. Why should I stand up? And Simon Peter, by faith, did not ask those questions. He just got up and when he got up, his chains fell off. When he got up, his bondage was eliminated. He started to walk, and as he walked, doors began to open like hydraulic automatic doors. He began to walk out in freedom. Child of God, stand up, and when you stand up, your chains fall off. Stand up, God will deliver you. Stand up, God will set you free. Stand up, God will, God will, God will bring you out. Oh yes, he will. Oh yes, he'll set you free from everything that's dragging you down. He'll set you free from that that's choking you, that's destroying you. I heard the Bible say, thine eyes are ever toward the Lord. He shall deliver my feet out of the net. I'm in a net. I'm in trouble. But mine eyes are on the Lord. And the Lord is going to set me free. The Lord is going to bring me out. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, mine eyes are on the Lord. The Lord will bring me out. The Lord will bring me through. The Lord will bring me over. The Lord will deliver me. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Glory. 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 Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. A thousand witnesses will testify. There's nothing that can take charge of your life from which God cannot deliver you. 
There's nothing that can come upon you that Jesus cannot deal with. There's no challenge, no entanglement from which the Lord cannot extricate you and bring you out. Let's give God praise. Give him praise. So it's time to take the weeds out of the garden. Somebody in the room reverberates and resonates with the words that I've spoken. Evil is coming against you. Those things from which you want to be delivered have sought to drag you down. In your vicinity, you see negative forces and factors conspiring to come against you. But God can deliver you. God can set you free through Jesus Christ. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to pray for somebody. I want to pray for somebody who wants God to take charge of their lives. I want to pray for somebody who wants to be saved. I want to pray for somebody who wants the Lord Jesus to come into their lives, forgive their sins, transform their lives. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've heard the word. The word has gripped my heart. I know I need God. I know I need to be saved. Would you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every sin you've ever committed, every wrong thing you've done, you can be forgiven, you can be delivered, and Jesus Christ will take charge of your life. I'll pray for you right where you stand, but I need you to lift your hand as your way of saying, Preacher, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to escape the stuff that might destroy you, drag me down. I want to make it into the kingdom. I want to hear God say, well done. I want my life to be well lived. I want to be a blessing to my family. Pray for me, preacher, that God will bring me through and to the destination that he has in store for all those that love him. Lift those hands, please. If that's you, pray for me, preacher. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Lift those hands. Pray for me. Pray for me, man of God. Pray for me, preacher. You're not here by accident, but by divine grace. I'm about to pray. Lift those hands. Dear Lord, I pray for every person in this room who has heard the words that you've given me to speak. I pray to God that you will so surround them by your love, by your power, that you'll sustain them, dear Lord, so that they will be more than they ever thought they could be so that they'll walk in your righteousness and in your holiness and in your grace. Forgive their sins. Come into their lives. Transform them in Jesus' name. 
Everybody say this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. I thank you, Lord. I am delivered. I thank you, Lord. I'm saved. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.